Section 33 of The Morals, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marilyn Mack. The Morals, Volume 1, by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. Of Large Acquaintance, or an essay to prove the folly of seeking many friends number one menon the thessalian a person who had no mean opinion of his own parts who thought himself well accomplished in all the arts of discourse and to have reached as empedocles words it the highest pitch of wisdom was asked by socrates what is virtue and he answered readily enough and as impertinently that there is one virtue belonging to childhood another to old age that there are distinct virtues in men and women magistrates and private persons masters and servants excellently well replied socrates in raillery when you were asked about one virtue you have raised as it were a whole swarm conjecturing not without reason that the man therefore named many because he knew the nature of none and may not we ourselves expect and deserve as justly to be scoffed and rallied who having not yet contracted one firm friendship seem nevertheless exceeding cautious of too many it is almost the same thing as if one maimed and blind should appear solicitous less like briareus he may chance to be furnished with a hundred hands and become all over eyes like argus however we cannot but extol the sense of that young man in menander the poet who said that he counted every man wonderfully honest and happy who had found even the shadow of a friend number two but all the difficulty lies in finding him and the chiefest reason is that instead of one choice true friend nothing under a multitude will content us like women of the town who admit the embraces of all gallants that come at the gay appearance of the last which comes we neglect and slight the former and so are unable to hold them or rather like the foster child of hypsipyle who quote, in a green meadow sat cropping the flowers one after another snatching each prize with a delighted heart insatiable in his childish joy End quote. so we of riper years from an inbred affection of novelty and disdain of things already possessed take up presently with the first promising aspect of every fresh and new-blooming friend and lay all at once the foundations of several acquaintances but we leave each unfinished and when we have scarce fixed on one our love immediately palls there while we passionately pursue some other wherefore in this affair to begin at the beginning at the domestic altar as the saying is let us ask the opinion and counsel of our forefathers and consider what report the records of antiquity make concerning true friends they are we find always reckoned in pairs as theseus and perothus achilles and patroclus 
Orestes and Pilates, Phintias and Damon, Epaminondas and Pelopidas. Friendship, so to speak, is a creature sociable, but affects not a herd or a flock, and that we usually esteem a friend another self and call him Thaush, companion, as much as to say Theush, the other one is a convincing argument that the number two is the adequate and complete measure of friendship. And in truth, a great number of friends or servants is not to be purchased at an easy rate. That which procures love and friendship in the world is a sweet and obliging temper of mind, a lively readiness in doing good offices, together with a constant habit of virtue, than which qualifications nothing is more rarely found in nature. Therefore, to love and to be loved much can have no place in a multitude, but the most eager affection, if divided among numerous objects, like a river divided into several channels, must needs flow at length very weak and languid. Upon this score, those animals love their young most which generate but one and homer describing a beloved child calls it the only begotten and born in an old age that is at such a time when the parents neither have nor hope for another number three yet i do not assert we ought to confine ourselves to only one friend but among the rest there should be one eminently so, like a well-beloved and only son, not casually picked up at a tavern or eating-house or in a tennis court, nor at a game of hazard, nor at an accidental meeting in the wrestling place or the market, as is too common nowadays, but one chosen upon long and mature deliberation, with whom, according to that celebrated proverb, we have eaten a bushel of salt the palaces of noble men and princes appear guarded with splendid retinues of diligent obsequious servants and every room is crowded with a throng of visitors who caress the great man with all the endearing gestures and expressions that wit and breeding can invent and it may be thought i confess at first sight that such are very fortunate in having so many cordial real friends at their command whereas it is all bare pageantry and show change the scene and you may observe a far greater number of flies as industriously busy in their kitchens and as these would vanish were the dishes empty and clean so neither would that other sort of insect pay any farther respect were nothing to be got by it there are chiefly these requisites to a true friendship virtue as a thing lovely and desirable familiarity as pleasant and advantage as necessary for we must first choose a friend upon a right judgment made of his excellent qualities having chosen him we must perceive a pleasure in his conversation and upon occasion he must be useful to us in our concerns all which especially in judgment in our choice the main point of all 
are inconsistent with a numerous acquaintance and first of all to draw a parallel in other matters if there is no small time required to select a great many persons together who can dance and sing in exact time to the same tune manage oars with a like strength and vigor be fit stewards of our estates or tutors of our children certainly we must acknowledge it much more difficult to meet with a considerable number of friends ready to enter with us the trial of all manner of fortune of whom every one will quote, of his good fortune yield thy part to thee and bear like part in thy calamity End quote. even a ship at sea runs not the risk of so many storms nor are any castles forts and havens secured with walls ramparts and dams against the apprehension of so many dangers as are the misfortunes against which a constant approved friendship mutually undertakes to afford a defence and refuge whoever without due trial put themselves upon us for friends we examine as bad money and the cheat being discovered we are glad if of their own accord they withdraw or if they persist at least we wish with great impatience fairly to get rid of them yet we must own it is a hard and troublesome task to cast off a disagreeable acquaintance for as unwholesome meats which nauseate the stomach can neither be retained without hazard of health nor yet ejected sincere as they were taken but wholly disguised and defiled with other humours so a mistaken false friend must either be still entertained and remain a mere vexation to us as well as uneasy to himself or else by a kind of convulsion be thrown up like bile leaving behind the continual torment of private grudgings and hatred number four therefore it highly concerns us not to be too rash in fastening on the next that may accidentally offer nor presently to affect every one that pretends to be fond of our friendship let the search rather begin on our own part and our choice fix on those who approve themselves really worthy of our respect what is cheap and with ease obtained is below our notice and we trample underfoot bushes and brambles that readily catch hold of us while we diligently clear our way to the vine and olive so it is always best not to admit to our familiarity persons who officiously stick and twist themselves about us but we ought rather of our own accord to court the friendship of those who are worthy of our regard and who prove advantageous to ourselves number five therefore as zugzix replied to some who blamed the slowness of his pencil that he therefore spent a long time in painting because he designed his work should last for a long eternity so he that would secure a lasting friendship and acquaintance must first deliberately judge and thoroughly try its worth before he settles it suppose then it is hard to make a right judgment in choosing many friends together it may still be asked whether we may not maintain a familiarity with many persons 
or whether that too is impossible now familiarity and converse are the genuine products and enjoyments of true friendship and the highest pleasure the best friends aim at is continual intercourse and the daily frequenting of one another's company Quote, no more shall meet achilles and his friend no more our thoughts to those we loved make known or quit the dearest to converse alone End quote. and as menelaus says of ulysses quote, there with commutal zeal we both had strove in acts of dear benevolence and love brothers in peace not rivals in command and death alone dissolved the friendly band now much acquaintance has a clear contrary effect and whereas single friendship by kind discourses and good offices cements unites and condenses as it were two parties quote, as when the fig tree's juice curdles and binds white milk end quote. as empedocles says this on the other hand unties rends and breaks the bond distracts our inclinations with too much variety and our agreeable just mixture of affection the very cement of true friends is wholly lost in so loose and confused a conversation hence at once arises great inequality with respect to the services of friendship and a foolish diffidence in the performance of them for multiplicity of friends renders those very parts of friendship vain and useless whence advantage was most expected neither can we hope it should be otherwise if we consider how quote, one man is acted upon by his nature and another by his cares and anxieties end quote. nature hath not bestowed the same inclinations on all nor are we all born to the same fortune and the occasions of our actions like the wind may often favor one of our acquaintance while they stand cross to another number six however suppose by great chance all should agree to crave assistance in the same affair whether at a consult exercise of a public trust in the government canvassing for preferment entertaining guests or the like yet it is exceeding hard to satisfy all but now if they are engaged in diverse concerns at the very same moment of time and every one should make his particular request to you one to take a voyage with him another to assist in pleading his cause a third to prosecute a criminal a fourth to help in managing his trade another to celebrate his wedding and another to attend a funeral quote, and the whole city's filled with incense smoke and songs of triumph mixed with groans resound End quote. i say in this case it is utterly impossible to answer the requests of all to gratify none is absurd and to serve only one and disoblige the rest is a thing grievous and intolerably rude quote, for no one when he loves a friend will bear to be neglected End quote. if indeed you could persuade that inadvertency was the cause of the omission you might more easily hope a pardon 
and to plead forgetfulness is a sort of excuse which perhaps might pass without much angering your friend but to allege quote, i could not be advocate in your cause being of counsel for another end quote or quote, i could not visit you in a fever because i was invited to a feast elsewhere end quote. while it is thus confessed that we neglect one friend to pay our respects to another is so far from extenuating the offence that it highly aggravates it and adds all the jealousies of rivalry but commonly men overlook these and such like inconveniences of a numerous acquaintance and take only a prospect of its advantages not in the least reflecting that whoever employs many assistants in his affairs must in gratitude repay his service to as many when they need it and as briareus who with his hundred hands was daily obliged for his bare subsistence to feed fifty stomachs could thrive no better than ourselves who supply a single one with two hands so a man of many friends cannot boast any other privilege but that of being a slave to many and of sharing in all the business cares and disquiet that may befall them nor can euripides help him by advising that quote, best suited to the state of mortal life are mutual friendships formed with moderation such as take not root deep in the soul affections that with ease may be relaxed or closer bound at will End quote. that is we may pull in and let out our friendships like a sail as the wind happens to blow let us rather good euripides turn this saying of yours to enmity for heats and animosities ought to be moderate and never reach the inmost recesses of the soul hatred anger complaints and jealousies may with good reason be readily appeased and forgotten therefore it is far more advisable as pythagoras directs quote, not to shake hands with too many end quote. that is not to make many friends nor to affect that popular kind of easiness which courts and embraces every acquaintance that occurs but carries with it on the reverse a thousand mischiefs among which as was before hinted to bear part of the same cares to be affected with the same sorrows and to be embroiled in the same enterprises and dangers with any great number of friends will be a sort of life hardly tolerable to even the most ingenious and generous tempers what chilon the wise man remarked to one who said he had no enemies namely quote, thou seemest rather to have no friends end quote, has a great deal of truth for enmities always keep pace and are interwoven with friendships number seven and it is impossible any should be friends that resent not mutually the affronts and injuries offered unto either and that do not hate alike and in common they also who are enemies to yourself will presently suspect and hate your friend nay your other friends too often will envy calumniate and undermine him wherefore what the oracle foretold timesias concerning his planting a colony 
that an hive of bees should be changed into a nest of wasps may not impertinently be applied to those who seek after a hive of friends but light before they know it upon a wasp nest of enemies besides we should do well to consider that the kindest affections of friends seldom compensate for the misfortunes that befall us from the malice of enemies it is well known how alexander treated the families of philotas and parmenio dionysius those of dion nero those of plautus and tiberius those of sejanus all shared the same hard fate of being racked and tortured to death for as the gold and riches creon's daughter was adorned with could not secure the good old father from being consumed in her flames endeavoring too officiously to rescue her so not a few partake of the calamities and ruin of their friends before they have reaped the least advantage from their prosperity a misfortune to which philosophers and the best-natured men are the most liable this was the case of theseus who for the sake of his dear perothes shared his punishment and was bound with him in the same eternal chains thus in the plague of athens says thucydides the most generous and virtuous citizens while without regard to their own safety they visited their sick frequently perished with their friends number eight such accidents as these ought to admonish us not to be too prodigal of our virtue nor inconsiderately to prostitute our perfections to the enjoyment of every little thing that pretends to be our humble admirer rather let us reserve them for the worthy for those who can love and share another's joys and sorrows like ourselves and truly this alone renders it most unlikely that many men should remain friends that real friendship has always its origin from likeness for we may observe even brute and inanimate beings affect their like very readily mixing and uniting with those of their own nature while with great reluctance and a kind of indignation they shrink from and avoid whatever differs from themselves and force can scarce oblige them to the loathed embraces by what motive then can we imagine any league of amity can be kept inviolable amidst a multitude where manners admit of so much variety where desires and humours will be perpetually jarring where the several courses of life must needs be almost as unlike as constitutions and faces a musical concord consists of contrary sounds and a due composition of flat and sharp notes makes a delightful tune but as for friendship that is a sort of harmony all of a piece and admits not the least inequality unlikeness or discord of parts but here all discourses opinions inclinations and designs serve one common interest as if several bodies were acted and informed by the same soul number nine now is there any person living of that industrious pliant and universal humour who can take the pains exactly to imitate all shapes and will not rather deride the advice of theognis as absurd and impossible namely 
to learn the craft of the polypus which puts on the hue of every stone it sticks to however the changes of this fish are only superficial and the colors are produced in the skin which by its closeness or its laxity receives various impressions from neighboring objects whereas the resemblance betwixt friends must be far more than skin deep must be substantial such as may be traced in every action of their lives in all their affections dispositions words and purposes even to their most retired thoughts to follow the advice of theognis would be a task worthy of a proteus who was neither very fortunate nor very honest but could by enchantment transform himself in an instant from one shape to another even so he that entertains many friends must be learned and bookish among the learned go into the arena with wrestlers drudge cheerfully after a pack of hounds with gentlemen that love hunting drink with debauchees and sue for office with politicians in fine he must have no proper principles of actions and humours of his own but those of the present company he converses with thus as the first matter of the philosophers is originally without shape or colour yet being the subject of all natural changes takes by its own inherent forces the forms of fire water air and solid earth so a person that affects a numerous friendship must possess a mind full of folds and windings subject to many passions inconstant as water and easy to be transformed into an infinite variety of shapes but real friendship requires a sedate stable and unalterable temper so that it is a rare thing and next a miracle to find a constant and sure friend End of section 33